Flight 229, you're clear for takeoff. Just like a flight plan, you have to know where you're going and how you will get there when you plan for retirement. Let Ryan Fleming help you chart out a course for your retirement with his intimate knowledge of financial planning and the airline industry. It's time for the Pilot's Advisor. Well, it's another edition of the Pilot's Advisor. Walter Storholt here alongside Ryan Fleming, financial advisor at Fleming Financial Group, serving you worldwide. Not only a pilot himself, but also an advisor. And this is the show for you if uh, you happen to be a pilot, perhaps, and also interested in planning well for retirement. Ryan, where have your travels taken you lately, my friend? Well, I don't know if you can re- uh, believe this or not, Walter, but around the world, like always. <laughs> Just a generic around the world answer, you know? Lately, uh, Japan and Hawaii. I actually flew a, a 777 from Japan uh, to Hawaii. And to my surprise, the whole airplane was chartered by one uh, group. And that group was the Backstreet Boys, if you've ever heard of them. Wait, really? Yeah. Or are you yanking my chain? Flew all their concert materials from Japan to Hawaii, so their next concert will go as scheduled. Really? How about that? Did the, uh, did you get a mid-flight performance at all? Thankfully, no. <laughs> did you did you blast like Backstreet Boys music through the cabin for everybody? Uh, not exactly. No, no, not quite. Okay, well, uh, did you drop any? Do you ever try and get clever with your, you know, you know, buckle up, everybody, and you know, certain pilots they're very straightforward with their announcements. Do you ever get creative in your announcements or anything like that? Well, thankfully, since I fly cargo, I don't really have to uh, deal with that hardly at all. Um, with this particular flight, we had a, cor- a courier that you know is there to kind of follow all their stuff and protect all their stuff. So, you know, I'll like give him a brief and, you know, oh, kind of talk okay. to him about things. But I, I don't understand. have to get on so, the head, head thing and do anything. Lance Bass, although, was he NSYNC? Maybe he wasn't Backstreet Boys. I don't know my boy bands, but uh, whoever, one of the Backstreet Boys members wasn't actually on the plane. This was their, this was their stuff. Mostly. Correct. Okay. All, all of their uh, materials, you know, all the, for the stage, for all their instruments, all gotcha. that Gotcha. Okay. Well, that is very cool. Who knew that the Backstreet Boys, uh, you know, shipped FedEx, you know, to Japan all of their equipment for a show that's kind of funny well, when you think about it that way i didn't know they're still performing and then on top of that like i it surprised me that all their stuff filled up a whole triple seven but then when you think about it you know you think about the stage the lighting the stairs you know all their instruments all that stuff i mean it actually turns out to be a lot of stuff and i was talking to the the courier and he was telling me that taylor swift actually takes up two 747s. No way. That is wild. Two yeah, 747s. Crazy. No wonder those ticket prices are what they are. For, <laughs> $450 for nosebleed seats at some of those types of events and thousands of dollars for, uh, you know, what do you call it, an orchestra or a pit seat. That is uh, that is wild. Yeah, I'm looking at the uh, schedule right now. They actually, they're doing a, a bunch of performances in Ho- Hawaii, it looks like, several. So they must yeah, be popular I decided out not there. to stay. I decided to come home instead. Yeah, it was it was a really tough decision for you, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, my wife and my daughter thought it was kind of cool, but uh, oh yeah, uh, yeah. Glad that you are uh, safe and sound and found a place to rest for a little while and host a couple of podcasts with us before your next adventures come up. And while we've got you for a few moments today, I thought it'd be interesting to kind of just take stock at some recent news headlines that have some financial elements to them, and I wanted to get your opinion on these things as we open up and see what's happening in the news. Extra, extra, read all about it. 
All right, Ryan, so we still have a long way to go at the time of our recording today, a little over a year uh, away from the 2020 election. But I'm curious, at what point do you think the election, we always hear election years are, I guess I've heard that they're volatile or unpredictable. You don't know what's going to happen to the markets and to the economy during those years. So my question for you is, when will the election start to play a role in the way that investors behave in 2020? Well, unfortunately, they already have. Um, I think that the global trade war is already being affected by the election because I think a lot of these countries, especially China, is dragging their feet in negotiations because they don't know whether Trump will be reelected or will have a Democratic president that might be more lenient on these uh, trade issues. So most of it's from a, uh, you kind of see it from just a, the, the uncertainty of not knowing which party's going to be in place really is kind of dictates then how other people are reacting to our market and our economy. Well, that's a part of it. But between the two words that you chose, I would say unpredictable because we can all, I actually ask my clients and other investors this all the time. I say, do you think that world news or things that happen in the news affect the markets? And most of them will say, well, yes. And I would say, do you think that news or world news is predictable? And then they'll say no. And so inherently, the market is totally unpredictable because any news headline that might come up that's unpredictable is going to have a drastic effect on the markets, which it does. And as you see right now, there's a lot of volatility. There's a lot of fear of the unknown. And over the past two years, even 2.5 years, there's been a lot of ups and a lot of downs, but the net result of our market returns has been pretty much flat. Kind of interesting to look at that. And I'm sure it's not the same if we were to go back and look at the market, you know, during election years and years past. In fact, I, I pulled up an article here. It was up during uh, Trump versus Clinton in 2016. It was up big during uh, Obama versus Romney. Uh, but obviously in 2008 election, it was down <laughs> humongous, 37% in the Obama-McCain election. But up in the previous one, Bush versus Kerry. And then it was down in the previous one before that, Bush versus Gore. So it's always kind of had an up and down feel to it, which I guess is kind of what you would expect. Yeah, and I've d gone back and done the research. There's actually no correlation between who's in power or you know whether it's Democratic or Republican, um, what the market's actually going to do or what the performance is going to be um, from a macro level. And even in the 2016 election, I mean, all the talking heads were saying that the market was just going to tank if uh, President Trump got elected. And of course, it went the exact opposite. President Trump was elected and the markets just took off and they've been on a a pretty, you know, besides, like I said, the last 2.5 years, but we had a good, a good bullish run. Well, that kind of highlights and underscores another point, doesn't it? Nobody knows anything <laughs> when it comes to predicting these things. 100%. And exactly when you're looking at the short-term effects of, you know, what the news is going to do to the market. And that's why I get asked a lot, what should investors read? What should investors look at? And unfortunately, with the internet nowadays, there is access to so much information and unfortunately, most of that information is news-related or fear-related, um, where these news outlets and these magazines are, you know, they're being paid to, to entertain and, and sell. And that's why I like to tell my investors and my clients to focus on academic long-term principles when they're looking at investing. So don't read that magazine. Don't watch that TV show. And even the internet's really bad about this. Maybe go buy a book on investing and look at the long-term thing principles of investing or how how you can how you can win with uh, solid academic principles and not 
the latest get rich quick scheme or sell and buy gold right now because we're all freaking out about what's going to happen. Somebody's looking at the election next year and kind of worried about volatility, not being able to predict will it go up or will it go down, you know, no matter even if they're trying not to listen to the prognosticators and those kinds of things out there, but they're worried about their finances and they're worried about being able to retire in a year or two or three and what impact an up or down election year market is going to have. What would you say to folks like that? Well, my job is actually to talk them through this and, and teach them how to have true peace of mind with investing. Obviously, we'll take a risk tolerance to find out you know, what their tolerance for risk is so they're uh, invested accordingly. But the only way to truly win is to be invested in the market all the time, to not try to time the market, to not try to stock pick. And so when you take an academic perspective of that, it's okay to be worried about what's going to happen. But the ultimate result is that you, you don't have any control over what's going to happen and nobody knows what's going to happen. So yeah, you might have to ride the market down two percentage points if something happens, but you're there when it goes up to 8%. And over the long term, I mean, it, the facts are the facts. The market goes up over the long term. So you must be a long-term investor. Last uh, perspective on this, and I'm sure a lot of the pilots that listen to our show, if any of them fly internationally, although even if you fly domestically, you get exposed to different regions of the country, different news stations, different news platforms, and obviously then different opinions, uh, different types of shows, different approaches and lenses through which you view news, in particular politics and the election and that kind of thing. What's it like for you flying to all these different countries all the time? And then do you watch the news from these other countries? And are they talking about the United States? And is it is it weird? Is it different than, you know, watching it in the U.S.? Uh, whenever I've traveled internationally, it's just kind of strange to, you know, watch their local news and compare it to watching our local news, but also interesting to watch their news when they're covering elements and things that are happening in the United States and kind of viewing it through their prism. Well, I try to keep politics out of a lot of things I talk about, but as you can tell from our show so far, it's pretty difficult to do. This actually makes me sick to my stomach because when I travel internationally, the only news network that is actually being broadcasted overseas most of the time is CNN. And you can tell from the way the media is today that CNN is very, very far left, democratic versus Fox News, which would be to the right and very conservative. I'm inherently uh, conservative. And so when I see that that is all that these other countries are being exposed to, um, it really, really makes me sick to my stomach. And it makes me scared for how these other countries actually view our president and our country, because I, I don't believe that um, what is out there and especially what CNN is broadcasting is is necessarily true at all. We maybe take for granted the fact that we have such a diversity of voices in our country, whereas maybe that gets a lot limited when you get outside the scope. Well, Walter, we brought this up in the previous show, but I, I think it's a great time to kind of interject on it again. I was at the lounge, the American lounge, I guess, in Charlotte, and it is so amazing to me that you could be sitting in a lounge, and on one side of this lounge, they have CNN playing, and on the other side, they have Fox News. And not only can you see the dichotomy of people and where they sit and what they watch, but I've been in there where they had a certain issue going on that day. What was playing on one side of the room was completely and utterly the opposite <laughs> of what was being broadcast on the other. Yeah, and it and it just shows you how much the media spins any issue. You know, the spin cycle has really been turned up though over the course of the last couple of years. I know social media just as much as traditional news 
is so guilty of that. Some piece of news about uh, about Trump, for example, will come down, and you'll see one side treated as this is the greatest news of all time, and then the other side will be this is basically the end of the world. And you're like, whoa, wait, hold on. How can we be this far apart in deciphering what this means? You know, like it's very tough as a consumer to try and figure out, you know, who's right on particular issues. And when they're so far apart, like there's not even a close middle ground that we're trying to like all meet in the middle or or try and really find the truth. It's just, okay, what lens are we going to view this through? And then it pushes you in such far different directions that as a consumer, it's just very difficult to try and find the truth in a lot of these stories when people can interpret it and spin it in so far different directions. That's really been fascinating to watch over the last couple of years and not really in a good way. Yeah, I think it's sickening. I think you might deal with 10% of truth and then the rest of it is what we're calling nowadays fake news. And it's up to us to kind of decide what we truly believe or not believe because we're not getting a lot of journalistic uh, facts anymore. And I, I think that we've gotten to a point where we're not holding our, our journalists and our media to the fire on, you know, giving us what's really going on and what's really happening. And it's quite unfortunate because if we're not getting what's the truth is, then what are we really getting? I will say perhaps this will lead us in the direction of rediscovering something we call the gut, you know, trust your gut. And, you know, we, we've kind of transitioned from getting just the information and then everybody individually using your gut and your own intelligence to decide your opinion on a, on a subject. And we've gotten away from that. And instead, we're letting other people tell us how to think and what to think. So perhaps this will lead us. We'll get sick of it so much, like you're saying, using that word sick of it. We'll get so sick of it that we go back to trusting our gut, deciphering information as individuals, and all developing our own opinions from there, not just waiting for somebody to tell us what to think about something. That might be eventually how this can become a positive. Well, it's the pendulum swing. The pendulum, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, it's the pendulum that swung so far in the other direction that we have no truth. And I think people are getting sick of it. And it's going to cause us to maybe just stop listening to the news as much. I mean, ESPN is a great example where, you know, people used to go watch SportsCenter to watch sports. What happened last night? You know, show me the scores of the game and the highlights from last night. And they started incorporating so much politics in ESPN that their ratings like dropped 65%. Yeah. And I think they're finally figuring it out that people don't want the political spin. They want to watch sports highlights. Yeah. Well, I also think just from a simplicity standpoint for uh, for the sports center side of things is they just stopped showing everything. You could in one hour see a highlight from basically every single game that had happened in the past 24 hours. And now you get, you know three or four NBA highlights, uh, two or three football games, and, you know, maybe five seconds on something else, and then a 10-minute interview about something that's, you know, just taking up too much airtime for what you're trying to watch. And they, they got away from that to where you just couldn't get your quick catch-up anymore. And, uh, you know, I, I realize that some of those things exist in other spaces, but I feel like that's where they really lost a lot of that uh, momentum. But not to get too far off track from talking about the market, but I do think it all, you know, certainly is related as we see things head in different directions here. So bottom line, you're seeing the election uh, impacting how investors behave already. And I imagine we're going to see it just even more leading up to uh, November of next year. So it'll be something we keep an eye on. And I'm sure, Ryan, something we talk about again in the future. Well, Ryan, thank you for your thoughts and opinions and ideas on today's show. Safe travels to you. And we'll look forward to doing another podcast around the corner. Until next time, Walter. And uh, everybody fly safe. You got it. That's Ryan Fleming. Walter Storholt here. We'll talk to you next time on The Pilot's Advice.
information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.